Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Can quantum physics be a basis for spirituality? Did our remote ancestors already make it so? And can it all become a basis for a more advanced thinking in the paranormal? Hi there, and welcome to the 552nd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those quantum questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening, uh, we were going to uh, welcome uh, the, one of the world's most distinguished uh, physicists, but um, he is currently uh, unavailable, so we'll be, tr- we'll be trying to get him uh, later in the show. We'll try to get, uh, we can't get through on his phone, so yeah. we'll, we'll try but later anyway. So, in uh, being the eternal optimist, uh, in hopes that we will be able to raise him soon, uh, it's Dr. Amit Goswami, now retired. Uh, He was on the show a few months ago, a tremendous uh, guest. He was professor of physics at the University of Oregon's Institute of Theoretical Science for over 30 years, beginning in 1968. One of the world's most renowned physicists, Dr. Goswami is a revolutionary in the growing body of renegade scientists who, in recent years, have ventured into the domain of the spiritual in an attempt to both interpret the seemingly inexplicable findings of their experiments and to validate their own intuitions about the existence of a spiritual dimension of life. Essentially, he espouses the position that consciousness creates the material world that we see. A prolific writer, teacher, and visionary, Dr. Goswami has appeared in the movies What the Bleep Do We Know, The Dalai Lama Renaissance, and the award-winning documentary The Quantum Activist. That's him. He is the author and co-author or co-author of at least 10 books that I know of, including The Quantum Doctor, God is Not Dead, The Physics of the Soul, and two that have been major influences on my own thinking, The Self-Aware Universe and The Visionary Window, A Quantum Physicist's Guide to Enlightenment. His latest, Quantum Creativity, is to be released, uh, has been released uh, several months ago, actually. His website, uh, www. AmitGaswami.org, A-M-I-T-G-O-S-W-A-M-I.org. Okay, we will. Would you like, would you like to do some uh, questions while we wait? Yeah, yeah, we'll take. Uh, I have plenty of things to say. Excellent. Okay, so say those things. But uh, you know, don't forget to try and get them back, or get them. Period. Okay, first of all, tonight something a little bit unexpected has occurred. Uh, we are speaking, of course. We'll talk, talk more about it later on Saturday at the um, True Paranormal Event, a celebration of advanced uh, understanding in the paranormal field uh, in New Hampshire this uh, this weekend. As I say, on Saturday the twentieth, and we're going to be giving away four tickets to the first person who calls. It's a $30 value. It's only $15 to go to this, and that includes lunch. I mean, that's, that's amazing. So I'll give you our number, uh, which you can use for calling in anyway, or for just uh, asking for the tickets, because you will be the first one to call will get the tickets. It's 800-449-1240, or locally, in the local listening area, 401 uh, okay, I guess we got the guest. 401, okay, because we didn't get the guest. 401-766-1240. Okay, so um, again, the four free tickets to that event, really, really going to be good. It's 4 o'clock, I should say, uh, it ends at 4 o'clock. It starts at 11 in the morning to 4, 4 p.m., and it'll be a lot of fun. There'll be several speakers, including Ben and myself. Uh, Bill Hall as well. Bill Hall as well, yeah, author of the new book, The World's Most Haunted House, the true story of the Bridgeport poltergeist uh, on Lindley Street. That's the 1974 case. I was a, one, of, one of the few surviving eyewitness, major eyewitnesses to that, I guess. And don't forget about uh, free food as well. 
Yes, that's right. That's yes, right. They're, it's they're, not, well, it's not, so well, it's not really free. It comes with comes the, with the tickets. With the but if you got the free tickets, you get the free food. So indeed, so, so technically deal. it would be free. All right, very good. So uh, those are just a few preliminary things. Again, the number eight hundred four four nine one two four zero or it's four zero one seven six six one two four zero in the local area. Okay, we have a, a question now. This is supposed to be for uh, Dr. Gaswami, and I suppose you can ask him. But th- they sound an awful lot like questions for us. Maybe so, they are. Yeah, so so this is uh, this is Thomas from Brazil, and he asks three questions. We can start with those. Okie doke. So uh, Thomas writes to us. Uh, number one, uh, in Concern of Lucid Dreams, how would you relate this to the concept of OBEs? Interesting question. Uh, shall I continue? Yeah. No, no, uh, let, let's answer the question okay. first. Do um, you have any thoughts on that? Because I certainly do. Uh, I need to collect them first. Okay. There they are, running around on the floor. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, lucid dreams, for those who don't know, uh, lucid dreams are, are dreams that you where you realize that you're dreaming. Okay. Supposedly, uh, those people who are supposed to know might say, well, that, that means you have a certain sort of a spiritual advancement or whatever that you know that you're dreaming. But very often now, there are people who will work on that as almost an art. They will dream, realize they're dreaming, and, and start to manipulate their environment. And they can have a lot of fun doing it, you know, flying around and doing all sorts of things you wouldn't ordinarily do in downtown Woonsocket in the afternoon. So well, that's what a lucid dream is. And OBE stands for out-of-the-body experience. Uh, this is when people, it's not, it's not the same thing as a near-death experience necessarily, but it's an experience whereby you're, you're say, lying in bed, or, or sometimes it's, it's been known to happen to people, or they've said it's, it's happened. Uh, just in the middle of, the, of your daily existence, you may be sitting down, and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're across the room and you're seeing yourself. We have a lot of cases in our files, well, a lot, but some cases in our files, where people have um, uh, seen themselves. You know, We had one woman write to us who walked into her kitchen and saw herself sitting at the counter. Uh, ghosts of themselves, so to speak, which is one of the things that originally started to make me question our whole understanding of, uh, or lack of understanding of ghosts and all this this sort of phenomena. So what is the relationship between lucid dreams and, and out-of-the-body experiences? Well, um, I think that lucid dreams or any kind of dreams might, in my personal opinion, be, and we will ask Professor Goswami this if we can get him, we, we sort of feel that this is uh, there might be a relationship between this and the, the parallel lives we're always talking about uh, regarding the multiverse, you know, the, uh, what apparently in physics is, is uh, according to some interpretations, a huge uh, mass of, of parallel realities and parallel worlds. Um, that contain many versions of ourselves, many versions of things that uh, uh, we might know every day. Uh, some worlds might be entirely alien. Others might be... The only difference between one world and another might be that you don't exist in one and do in another. Or significantly, that you may have died in one and not in the other. Or that someone you recently lost has not died in, in, in a close parallel world. I mean, that, that, I think that's an explanation for a lot of ghosts, if not all of them. So um, relations between lucid dreaming, I think uh, lucid dreaming and any other dreaming might be an experience of parallel lives. All right. Um, I remember, I've kind of made a study of this, and I always write down my dreams. And sometimes you know, people say, oh, it doesn't mean anything, just a reflection of your daily life. Well, there are others who believe that when you dream about something, lucid or not, that it's, it's something you know, that 
something that happened to you that day in your life might have put you in touch with in a parallel world. Hmm. You know, in other words, if you dreamed about uh, you know just narrowly missing a deer when you're driving down Manville Hill Road or something, you know, which I heard has actually happened. And uh, you, but you might dream of a deer in another context that night. You say, ah, oh, well, maybe it's just deer sitting down deer. at dinner with you. Well, something like that. I mean, stranger things have, have happened in dreams. I suppose, yeah. <clears throat> so. Uh, you, you may be just um, that may put you in touch with the world where that actually uh, that that event actually occurred. I mean, so I think that's or else you would never be able to imagine it or think of it because our whole subconscious is made up of these parallel worlds. In, that's a theory that I happen to agree with. So uh, that's that's a possible relationship there. So um, it could be be aware of multiple lives. As a matter of fact, uh, in in other lives, you may be dreaming and you're you know we're sitting here in the studio or you're sitting listening to us or whatever you may be doing and and that that could be a dream in some other life so i mean it's a really it's a, it's a deep well here so um all right what's i think i don't know do you have anything to add to that man? well no i i actually I, I never really thought of um you brought up an interesting point that i never really took into account which is if if something happens during the day that ends up appearing in a dream I've, it just never occurred to me that 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 could put you in touch with with a um a different universe. I know it's only a theory, but it, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, maybe it not. Sense. Maybe it is just a reflection. Maybe you know, a lot of the dreams uh, don't seem to make a lot of sense. But remember, you only you don't remember all of it very very often. And now, now I've made a, as I say, I've, I've made a kind of a, tried to do a study of this, and I, and what I've tried to do is is uh, remember and write down various aspects of dreams, and now. I realized that when I, I visit, for example, your mother and I, uh, in, in my, one of my dreams, go to this little cafe on a street corner in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. This is all dreams. Now, we never actually, you know, not that I remember. And I, when we go now, I, having remembered previous dreams of it, I can remember a whole, like a whole life history in this world. And that happens night after night after night because I keep track of these things. And I have a very weird sleep schedule, so I remember a lot of dreams. Mm. And uh, you know maybe I'm imagining the whole thing. I don't know, maybe maybe not. You know and, maybe you're just crazy. You no, know, well, well, people have said that from time to time. I suppose. <laughs> so, I was only kidding, but no, no maybe. actually I haven't been called crazy that often. I'm surprised. But in any case, these are all possibilities. So uh, that's sort of a wide-ranging answer to Thomas's question. But there, you, there you have it. So what's his next question? Uh, the next one is: How do you see the role of dreams? Are they just based on collected data from our lifetime and daily experiences, as we just talked about? We just answered. Um, well, there's more. Uh, or is there something else that comes from a collective consciousness or even beyond our inner self um, that uh, we may have inherited as a species? Well, that that is a lot more to it. Yeah, that is, yeah. Yes, instead of just... Yeah, I think it's a mixture of all of that. Mm. I, I think that it's it would do our, um, our existence injustice... If we just pointed to one singular thing, saying, "Oh, well, that's the reason for this," so I I feel as if it's a mixture of all of all of those elements that is stuff that's happened over the course of time. Or if if this this theory is correct, then when you, sometimes when you have dreams, you're somebody else, like you're not you. Or even if you're dreaming in the third person and you're following somebody else, like you're not actually in the dream, but you're sort of observing that, then maybe that's part of that that sort of uh, collective unconscious idea. I think you might be right. I think that that uh, it's it, see the thing is it's the, here. Here we get back to the island theory again. Yes. 
you know, we, we assume, among all the many, many assumptions we have, we assume that we are self-contained units in this body. And uh, that's why everybody's so astounded by the idea, you know, uh, ESP or extrasensory perception. Well, he doesn't use the first person, the first person possessive in this statement. He uses the the uh, second person plural, so we. Mm-hmm. So we as a species. We as a first person plural. Is it? Yes. Oh, what is it? Hey, I'm the editor here. Yeah, sorry, yeah. my my grammar is miserable sometimes. Well, as long as you can speak articulately, which you always do. Yeah. All right. Well, so, well, no. I mean, I see. I see the point there, but uh, the thing that's hard to get by is this island theory. You know, to say that we are uh, almost not, not one mind, but a, a sort of a unified biosphere where we're, we all share the lives and the thoughts and everything of everything else, which is the basis of this collective unconscious idea that right. psychologist Carl Jung came up with, which I think is rather one of the most brilliant things he ever did. Mm. There is a certain unity and a flow and an exchange of information among minds. And ultimately, there's a, there's a tremendous unity there, and I write about that in my last book, Turning Home, and we talk about that a lot on the show. So, yeah, I think that's a positive, uh, positive answer to the question. What's his, what's his third question? That's it. Oh, I thought there were three. No, he no, literally after that, all it says, that's all. <clears throat> okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's all, folks. Okay. Uh, there is a rather long, and we're going to try to get Dr. Goswami again at the bottom of the hour here. We'll take our break. Um... This is from Chant in Phoenix, Arizona, or uh, near Phoenix, Arizona. Let's take it one paragraph at a time. It's very, very long, but we, we very often give short shrift to these long ones, and I'd like to, now that we have some extra time, un, you know, uncharacteristically, I'd like to... Baby steps to the paragraph. Right. Alrighty. Hello to you both, Paul and Ben. Uh, I'm nearly forty, uh, nearly 42-year-old single woman who went through an experience... That has not only uh, never left my memory, it has affected me every single day ever since the event. Okie dokes. So she starts off with, uh, the event uh, happened in the year uh, 2001 at at a Christmas banquet uh, that my employer at the time um, was holding for all of us at a five-star resort uh, uh, in this place. In uh, what was uh, probably uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, or part of Phoenix, Arizona. Anyway, I was on the second floor balcony and stared up at uh, something that was uh, unavoidable to behold. It was a massive, ice-colored clock actually working in the sky. It had a uh, large hand going around a perfect circle. Uh, it was mass... It was... Uh, I already said that. It uh, looked... I looked around uh, quickly to shake off the hypnotic movement of this weird event uh, active, actively happening in front of me and a former co-worker. So it wasn't just her, it was her and a co-worker. Uh, everyone uh, below us was uh, busy partying and enjoying themselves as um, the coolness of the evening caused people to become more relaxed and happy. I pointed up at this odd thing uh, that was so massive in the sky. Evidently, people uh, thought this... Uh, action by me was so funny they started pointing at me and laughing i didn't i didn't get too irritated i was more per- perplexed by uh, their reaction everyone uh, below was either uh, milling very slowly about with their drinks on the ground level uh, where there was uh, grass and chairs or they were lying out on the grass with their companions talking i looked hard at my coworker um, and he told me uh, how come they didn't or well he asked me how come they didn't see what we see he said uh, he didn't know 
but yes, he did see it and described it to me. Uh, a car. Uh, where was I? Uh, what he he did he described to me what he was looking at, and I told him uh, that there's no way that a car dealership advertisement that it's no way that that's a car dealership advertisement like a blimp or something. Uh, there are no car car dealerships around here, or even uh, if it was one, what's the point of having some kind of some kind of advertising like that? He nodded his head and said, "Yes, I agree. It would uh, make no sense." So, and uh, she ends the paragraph with, "I don't know." Could you describe what you saw one more time? Giant clock. A giant clock. Yes. In the sky. Yes. Okay. That's um, not unheard of, but it's uh, it's unusual, and it was seen by multiple witnesses, according to this. Uh, well, one witness, her and her coworker. Okay, well, that's two witnesses. Yes. Okay. So, mul- I guess it's multiple witnesses in that All right. case. Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind. For, well, did you want? Did you have any thoughts off the bat? I don't know. It just makes me think of Alice in Wonderland. But please, <laughs> it does. Yeah, yeah. We're certainly All diving right. into the rabbit hole right now. Yes, indeed. The first thing that comes to mind is that, uh, you know, clouds in the sky, and we've talked about this many times, that when you look at something, your eye will take it, or your brain will take what your eye sees and try to make sense of it, all right? And I think uh, a lot of the uh, photographs of ghosts and UFOs, well, not so much UFOs, because they're usually pretty... Well, I think the um, whole point was that it was it was very, um, well, it was a working clock, mm. So if it, if the hands are going around, then that's just not normal cloud behavior. No, it's not. It's not. Well, that's the first thing that came but, to mind was maybe it's something like that. However, uh, another thing that I, I'm thinking about, now, <coughs> excuse me, is um, they're inside a building looking out a window. No, they're on a balcony. Oh, they're on a balcony, so they weren't they weren't looking out. They were window. outside. Yes. Okay, well, you're, that's the end of that theory, because uh, I, I I just. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking of the Southwest and some of the strange stories we've heard from there. It's sort of weird down there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've been there. You, uh, no, I've been there. Not at the same that's, time. That's but a strange, strange place. It's nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Strange, People strange. are wonderful, but uh, there are a lot of strange things. I'm thinking of the the couple uh, who reported being... Um, and I talked to the woman. It wasn't, it wasn't some second-hand thing. Uh, well, it was second-hand, but not third-hand. And they uh, were in Utah and were... Uh, encountered a village, uh, a small town where all the cars were exactly the same, and everybody spoke Dutch. Yeah, and nobody exactly. recognized their money. <laughs> I mean, gee, right. and it got more interesting from there. But uh, nevertheless, um, I honestly don't know what to say about that. It, other than uh, from a multiverse perspective, um, there somewhere or some when there is a clock up there, some in some world where perhaps, perhaps people put clocks. In the sky, in, in on uh, aircraft or balloons. I mean, who knows? Anything that could be conceived is possible and, and out there somewhere. I'd like to know um, whether the clock, what it looked like. Would it look like a, you know a Roman numerals or an old clock, uh, new clock? Massive ice-colored clock. Ice-colored clock. Yes. So. Well, ice is the, the ice colored would be the same color as clouds. Uh, I guess. So that that I find well, a it gets bit. it gets weirder. Okay, proceed, please. Okie doke. So she goes on. I could go on regarding. I could go on regarding uh, what happened, but I'll skip to the point about uh, going home that night. I went home sober, never drank that evening, and went straight to bed. 
Well, I noticed as I was gearing up for bed, putting on my night clothes, etc., that when I turned out the lights, there was a massive grid invading my house. I had to read that sentence multiple yeah. times. Grid. Grid. Okay. Yes. I thought it was misspelling, but it's not. I turned on the lights, and it was uh, still hanging around there, just swirling around, different geometric shapes uh, turning about. And honestly, Paul and Ben, it was the most surreal moment. I realized that uh, what I was looking at uh, was uh, nothing my partner at the time could see. I plain told him, uh, hey, are you seeing anything right now as we lay in bed staring out into space? He said, no, not really. I said, well, I must have some uh, strange situation happening because I do. I see a grid and it's all x-ray colors and there's weird, weird things that look geometric moving about inside this grid. He turned and looked at me and smiled and said, nope, no grid here. That night, no sooner had I closed my eyes, I was instantly sent into a circular moving hallway, quote-unquote. At the end of this long geometric moving hallway that curled about an odd, uh, or were there curled about an odd-shaped uh, geometric from uh, nodding its head and opening, or, or and opened up a door of some kind, and it, uh, and it was standing, uh, that it was standing next to. The thing is, I didn't open the door, it opened up after he nodded his head, so I, so it opened up for me, and I continued to move forward. Uh, what I was after, uh, or yeah, what I saw after was what I'd never forgotten. I think about to no end today. Uh, then it ends there. Shall I keep going? Well, I'm uh, kind of curious to see what I haven't read this. I'm kind of curious to see what uh, what happened. Okay, alrighty. So you know, this, you know what I'm getting right now. Sounds uh, like Phantom Tollbooth. Yeah, it does, and also you and I both know a number of people who might say this sounds like some sort of abduction experience, possibly. A little bit. Yeah. So this just goes to show not everybody's abduction is the same kind of thing. Anyway, so I was sent to the to the side of some odd area where it, it was uh, away from major activity and allowed uh, to watch something. The something I was allowed to watch was mind-numbingly hard to fathom as I stared right at it, quote-unquote. It was a series of many different kinds of aliens or alien beings, uh, all different shapes and sizes, all pointing, standing in one direction, uh, to the left, going down a, a moving walk, uh, moving walkway. This, or well, going down a moving walk. This walk uh, was going to a cert, was uh, going at a certain pace, not going fast or slow. It was uh, exactly like the walks you see at an airport. So I guess the, like walkways, like a moving walkway, basically. Okay. Um, just I, identical to that walkway uh, you step on and, and continue to move forward. Uh, it also had a wall uh, a uh, wall on it, too, so I could see uh, only these guys, quote-unquote, um, from about half of their bodies up. I was allowed to stare at them for what appeared to be uh, long enough to realize a few things. Uh, turn the page here. Uh, one... These aliens or beings were uh, not talking, they were not moving while on the walkway. They were standing, all of them, and stared open-eyed forward and to the left and going down to the left. Or going to the left, I should say. <clears throat> uh, not one of them was standing sideways or sitting down. Everyone was uh, neatly pushed into one, one another as though uh, crowded onto this walkway just perfectly so that there was just a small margin of space between themselves and another being. Two, uh, they and their surroundings were all x-ray colored. I'm, I'm going to assume a neon green. Uh, yeah. So, so it's not that they or anything else was uh, see-through. It was as if anything I looked at hard enough was, or uh, was focused in on and scrutinized. 
it was uh, simply a bar of light or a pure light as I I looked as I looked as in depth as I possibly could. Three, uh, what I wanted to know, uh, what I looked, I want to know what I looked like. I had no clue what I I looked like or if I looked like anything as I floated down that weird hallway and it into this uh, strange area that was uh, for beings to go through onto uh, something else. This area was uh, definitely a linoleum or uh, liminal, liminal. Is that the right word? Is that liminal, a word? Yeah, yeah, li- yeah, a liminal one. Uh, liminal meaning it was an area where uh, one was in the middle of leaving one thing and going on to something else. Oh, there we go. Uh, four. I was hiding around an area that had uh, netting over rocks. Rocks. Isn't that weird? Anyway, I was I rested behind these rocks, feeling secure that I was hidden. When I realized now, how could I have been when I had been invited in by something to observe? All the obvious questions hit me as I sat there, crouched at these rocks in the netting, uh, which were like a temporary retaining wall as I looked around. There uh, were more of them, everywhere and more walkways. It appeared to be one massive sensor of walkways with retaining walls on of rocks and netting. Uh, yeah, do you want me to stop there? Yeah, we got a lot to digest here. You know, the term that jumps out at me in that narrative, which is very articulately written, by the way, is uh, aliens. Now, we, again, here are our assumptions that I'm always getting so frustrated with. We see kinds of people, oh, we have to take a break. Well, I'll I'll pick on the aliens in a moment. Uh, You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Romeo Berthiaume reminding you that the 26th annual Jimmy Fun Walk is coming up on Sunday, September 21st. Darren Cooper, the producer of the Saturday show, will once again be walking the 13.1-mile route from Wellesley to Copley Square in Boston. Due to a prior commitment, I will be unable to walk this year, and I've signed on as a virtual walker. We're asking our listeners to consider making a pledge or donation to this year's effort. Last year, over $6,000 was raised for Kerry's team. More than 8,500 walkers together raised more than $7.5 million, and together we can make a difference in our efforts to find a cure for the dreaded disease, cancer, which has affected all of us one way or the other. Please help us achieve our 2014 goal by sending your donation to Jimmy Fun, care of ON Radio, 985 Park Avenue, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Make checks payable to the Jimmy Fun. Thank you for your support. You can depend on us for public service. Owen Radio. Owen Radio. Owen Worldwide. Hey, everybody, this is the Moose Man. Check out the groove line for the best blues, rock, funk, classic 50s, and the Beatles every single week. Tune in Thursdays from 6 to 7 p.m. That's the groove line right here on Owen. Owen Radio. Owen Worldwide. All right, welcome back. And we are still unable to raise Dr. Amit Goswami. Uh, we have tried, I don't know, this is several times, so I hope he's okay and everything. So we'll try and get him back for another show, but we'll, we'll proceed with this very interesting uh, letter in a minute. But first, I wanted to just remind you, uh, first of all, that we are still waiting for a caller uh, to win the tickets to the uh, True Paranormal event in Brookline, New Hampshire this Saturday. Uh, ben and I will be speaking. There's a nice uh, uh, buffet lunch, and there will be several other speakers as well. 
Uh, certainly takes place at the Brookline Event Center, 32 Proctor Road, Brookline, New Hampshire. And uh, be a meet and greet, vendors and exhibits, book signings, networking, things of that kind. And uh, <clears throat> it's 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. So um, the first uh, first caller gets free tickets to this, or four free tickets as a matter of fact, and the number uh, 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, uh, or in the local area, 401 766 one two four zero. So give us a call and get free tickets. That's all you have to do. All right. So in the uh, meantime, uh, we certainly wanted to remind you of the various charities Ben and I have adopted. You can find out about all this at behindtheparanormal.com, our show website. Uh, certainly want to remind you about Youth Mentoring Connection out in Los Angeles. Wonderful work being done there by Tony LeRae. Uh, and what he's doing is using, uh, and has for, for years and years, to great success, uh, used indigenous wisdom and common sense uh, from the ancient world to, uh, to bring uh, at-risk youth uh, to um, a better life, and it has always worked well. There's nothing I cult about it. It's all practical, right down to earth, and he built, he's built a great little community out there for the young people in some of the worst areas of Los Angeles. So youthmentoring.org, check that out. Uh, also, our veterans' charities we've adopted, uh, buildershelpingheroes.org, usacares.org, and canadianveteransadvocacy.org. It's uh, all great uh, things. Check, check them all out. They all do different things, but they all do them well, and for the sake of uh, veterans from both countries. Okay, so let's get back to this very interesting letter, uh, <clears throat> email sent from, um, is it, uh, what's the name again, in, in the Phoenix, Arizona? Uh, Chant. Chant, yes, in Phoenix, Arizona. I believe she's written to us before. Okay, so, um, but as I was saying, the, the first thing that stuck out for me in that previous paragraph you read, Ben, was the word aliens. When we see people we don't understand or beings very often particularly in a situation like this and assuming there are no is no mental illness here or no drugs involved i mean uh assuming that then we think aliens and when we hear the word aliens we think people from other planets or little green men or little green men well or both in this case they are green right yes uh, but again, you know th- that that's an assumption. We don't know really what this is, and from the multiverse perspective, we could be just say- seeing a parallel world in which we ourselves are living as one of these so-called alien beings, and it's really part of ourselves, and all life seems to be part of ourselves, and it gets into the philosophy of it. But it could be something far different from people from other planets. So proceed Perhaps if you would. She is an alien foreman. A what foreman? You know, like, like a, in the union or something? Yeah, you never know. I mean, it, 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 it's what it sounds like. Or like a construction site manager. I mean, it sounds, oh, like, it sounds like some sort of industrial facility. Oh, yeah. Well, possibly. The possibly. way it's described, at least. So she, she, lay, she lay down and just immediately was in this other world. I, I don't know. That I seems know. to be what it That's what sounds it seems like. like. Okay. Well, I've, I've, heard, I've heard weirder. Yeah. yeah Parallel no, life No sooner as I had weirder. closed my eyes, I was instantly sent to a circular moving hallway. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like she was even asleep. No. See, that would make me question some of this. You know, how come you know, well, maybe it's just a dream because we've been talking apparently about lucid dreams tonight on our impromptu whoop online show here. But in any case, um, all right, well, try it. Uh, let's keep going then. Okay, so she uh, goes on to say, I could go on, but suffice to say that uh, ever since then, I have seen geometric forms, the grid still, yes, during the day and during the night. Um, I can turn it. I can turn it off and on, but I could not. Before, I could not. So I guess you can look at it or not look at it, but it has sort of a switch that can turn it on and off. I, I, sp- I don't know. Not like a physical switch, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. But whatever, I'm not going to speculate. Um, I also see uh, strange things I've never, ever have uh, seen before. 
And uh, guess what now? The boyfriend I am with uh, now, uh, one night he, uh, as he was laying there, commented all on his own that, hey, there's lights moving around the room, different shapes and geometric things floating everywhere. So I stared hard at him in the dark, uh, and I didn't want to ask him any leading questions, so I just stayed quiet. Then he said there's also lights that are uh, flickering, too. I finally broke down and told him what happened to me. To be honest, he really didn't care. He didn't uh, care, uh, meaning it didn't uh, change his life, and he said he believed me. Uh, it just wasn't a deep, it wasn't as deep a situation to him as it was to me. But he did verify that there is something in my uh, environment that is glowing, flickering, shaking, uh, forms moving, forms moving and swirling about, uh, something uh, geometric floating in my house, and mostly uh, where. Uh, I am at, meaning wherever I am, it happens. Uh, I have even gone to a restaurant to hang out with my friends and met them in the parking lot, and a sphere of light was dancing around me. It was embarrassing. Uh, one of the people stared hard at me and said, said uh, what is this? There's a glowing light around you that is flying around you. I just looked down and said, yes, I know. Sometimes people tell me that. Uh, I didn't know what else to say. I mean, what do you say? <laughs> yeah, what what would you say to that? Like, oh, yeah, I know. Anyway, um, she says, anyway, uh, that is uh, pretty much the bulk of what I wanted to tell you. I did go back to that uh, hotel with some of the same co-workers. The one where the clock experience occurred? Yes. Okay. Uh, to uh, really look at the second or third floor we were on and uh, what we were looking out uh, during, or what we were looking out at during the uh, time... Uh, during the daytime, years later. It hasn't changed in Iota, not one bit, no different uh, building of any kind or changes in the landscape. We did realize that the uh, that night, the uh, portal we were staring at uh, had made it look like a uh, grassy, had made it look like the grassy knoll was uh, far, far longer and wider than it really was. Also, I realized um, who we were all extra or who were all the extra people laying about that couldn't possibly fit in such a narrow space or a narrow small strip of grass. It was a mystery. Lastly, I did ask uh, uh, the co-worker repeatedly off and on uh, that night for, oh, about 13 to 14 years now, uh, what did you see that night? He's never changed his story. I asked him what happened to him afterwards. He said he had uh, read his license plates backwards for... He read his license plates backwards for about six to eight hours as he went uh, driving the next day for uh, normal errands. I asked him uh, what did he mean backwards. He, actu he said the actual characters were backwards, not facing the right direction. Hmm. He said that uh, that was the only thing that uh, was odd or anomalous that happened to him ever since that night. That's very interesting. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking, too, is that this is the area, uh, well, the, if it was 13 or 14 years ago, it would be a little not quite in the right uh, uh, period where, where the Phoenix lights were um, experienced, or, you know, by the governor on down of Arizona, and everybody mm -hmm. saw these lights, and uh, as we've said many times, you and I were in a plane on the way to San Diego to do a program there, and I, it was middle of the night, and I happened to look out, and there, there were the lights, a couple of the lights, I believe, and it was reported in the San Diego paper the next day that they'd seen them then. So one wonders if there's any connection between, um, and we always see connections 
rightly or wrongly, between various phenomena in the same area. And I'm wondering if Phoenix um, then has not been part of a flap really since the mid-1990s with the Phoenix Lights and experiences like this, because this is not the only person who has contacted us with... This is probably the wildest, but people having everything from ghost experiences all the way down could be coincidence, maybe not. And again, you never know who's writing these letters. Uh, They may have uh, issues uh, or drug problems, but there's no indication of that. You know, usually you can tell when some letter's been written by someone like that, and this does not come across this way. This is very uh, well and clearly written. So um, apparently, uh, I would think that maybe Chant, uh, her name is... Oh, hey, we broke a rule. We did? Yeah, she told us not to read this on the air. Well, we did, what? Yeah, it's in the last paragraph, so... <laughs> Uh-oh, that's her. Anyway... Well, there we are. Well, sorry about that, but we didn't we didn't give the last name. We, we don't do that. It's just to protect people. Well, in any case, uh, I think that, the, that this could be uh, a situation where someone is is actually having. Um, uh, <coughs> ben, you better take this. Someone is actually having a, a multiverse experience um, that um, is quite quite striking, and it's not all that rare. Uh, although I've never heard one described quite like this. So in any case, uh, <clears throat> we'll move on to another one at this point, and uh, we'll try and find out uh, what's what's going on uh, with that person, and see if we can't uh, perhaps figure out the mystery a little bit uh, a little bit more. Uh, we have a caller, uh, Bill, from. Okay, so oh, I have to put on my headset. Okay, you know, we're kind of winging it tonight, Bill. Bill from Franklin. Oh, Bill from Franklin. Uh, how are you doing this evening? Okay. I was watching the sunset last night, and the, and there was a jet you know, going through the sky. Yeah. And, the, and then afterwards, there was a, this little thing following it. And, and, at, and at first, I thought it was a bird, but it, but it wasn't a bird because it, it stayed in a straight line. But, but, it, but it followed the jet, and then, then it looked away, and then next thing I know, it, it, was, it was going back the, the opposite way, away from the jet. Then I took my eyes off it for a second, and then it then it turned back and went was following the jet again. But really? Always went in a always went in a straight line. Huh? What color was it? Uh, uh, sort of black. But really? No sound at all. It was, okay. It was, it was way high in the sky. You sure wasn't a bird. There are an awful lot of vultures around here. And I was taking photos there, and and I, I noticed where it went through the sky. There was a there was a blank spot through the, through the clouds. Okay. Interesting. So so, so, so it may have been an airplane. <clears throat> Yeah, well, well, I don't know, acting like that. There have been a lot of helicopters around lately uh, because of this terrible happening in Blackstone, Massachusetts, which is right Oh, yeah, it may, may have been a helicopter, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I saw it, one today, it, as a matter of fact. Because it, it, it went behind the tree, and I didn't see it turn around. Because it, it turned around quick. Yeah, it could have been a helicopter, like, way high up. I, I, I know I've seen several from some of the Boston stations uh, yeah. hovering since that. You know, this terrible news event took place in Blackstone, Mass. I just, I just thought it was odd that it went... It, you know, following it and then go back and then go back again. <laughs> Did you have an idea how uh, how high in the sky was what the altitude was? Because it is that can be kind of difficult to tell. Uh, well, the jet had had a trail in the sky. You know, yeah, it had a, a contrail, condensation trail. Yeah, yeah. So, it was, it was probably up. a passenger jet because we, we live under the uh, one of the main routes to uh, Labrador and thence to Europe. Yeah, so yeah, yeah I see, like New York. Yeah, I see planes go by all the time. And, yeah, and we do too. But uh, again, you never know, and this does seem to be a kind of an area where a lot of strange things have happened uh, got, for for many years. I got I got a bunch of photographs, but I, but I haven't looked at them all yet. Okay, but, but it won't sh- show much in the in the photograph because it, it was so small, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, but this thing did not have a trail behind it. No, no, okay. but I, but I, but I did, I did see a spot where it went through, through the clouds afterwards. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, if you get anything interesting in the photos, can you can you send them to us? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Okay, appreciate that. Okay, Bill, thank you. I took like a. Oh, almost, oh no, go ahead. Almost a hundred photos of the of the sunset, so I got, I got plenty of photos. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you know, uh, pick out a few that you think are uh, interesting and send them along. Okay. Very good. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Bill. Bye. Okay. Uh, we have a letter here from uh, <clears throat> Leonard, and I do not know where Leonard is from. Okay, However, let's see a sentence. it's a nice, it's a much simpler uh, okay. issue than we've been dealing with. Alrighty, he uh, writes to us. Hi, I just had a question. Okay. Uh, we have uh, been smelling burning matches at my house and no source to provide the smell. Any idea what it could be? Thanks. Nice and short. Okay. You want to take that one better? Brimstone. No, well, I mean, it's... Um, I'm assuming... Well, actually, I wish there was more. Sometimes it's like, oh, I like simple questions, and then sometimes it's just like, well, I've, I feel like with certain questions, more details required... Well, perhaps you know it's the irony. We we like brief questions. Yeah. So we well, can burning matches. So I mean, or like like the uh, um, I, I keep thinking brimstone. That's not, that's not what it's called. Um, sulfur. Sulfur. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if it's sulfur, I mean, you might it might be like a a pocket of sulfur or whatever. It depends on where he lives. If he lives near like a swamp or something, I mean that. Yeah. 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 There's no indication where he lives. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> there are all sorts of explanations for that. Very often. Um, I know when we first moved into our house, you were four years old. Uh, the carpet was there, and when it was very damp, uh, I would sell, smell cigarette, cigarette smoke, you know, a smell that I hate. And, of course, that would usually be because the humidity had brought it out of the carpet. Someone lived there for years who apparently was smoking. So not, nothing paranormal, just rather, rather uh, mundane, uh, dear old physics explanation. This sort of brought the, uh, the smell of the carpet out. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Someone could have been using matches or whatever. And Well, who uses... How, do that many people use matches today? I mean, matches are pretty convenient. As opposed to lighters? They're cheap. You can get them for free. What, matches? Yeah. Oh, okay, I guess that's true. Yeah, no, you may be right. However, you know, if you're in your own house, I mean, you probably would know if someone's using matches. And if you don't, then that might be a hazard. Yeah. So I, um, it's also possible because there are many, many people who write in who say that they have certain aromas and smells. For example, I remember one case from uh, Vermont where someone wrote in that they had had a... Um, the the father had recently translated or passed away, and they could still smell his pipe smoke, not not a residue, but the actual smoke, you know, for months and months after the funeral, you know, and they would stand outside, and this is near a lake, which is always interesting, and, they, and one would turn to the other and say, he's in there, and they even saw the chair rocking and stuff, so... There are times when there could be paranormal explanations for these things. Because I feel like you should exhaust the mundane things before you turn Oh, absolutely. Out. Absolutely. But you shouldn't stretch it so that it, it makes less sense than the paranormal. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes yeah. people reach for very mundane explanations that just don't make sense. Sure. Like, yeah, I mean, you probably, you probably know exactly what I mean, especially yep. with um, some of the cases you've been on where mm. some of the people, some of the skeptics have had more ridiculous explanations than, like... Yeah, people who weren't there. Yeah. And I was and saw the whole thing, and they, they didn't, uh, you know... Mothman is a great blue heron. 
Uh, uh, Sand Hill Crane, I think, was the explanation. Yes, and the other one was not, an not owl. that I witnessed the Mothman. I'm not quite that old. No, I'm just I'm just yeah. saying that the, the oh, it's just a big owl. Like yeah, right. Like yeah. It, it's, yeah, sometimes they just sound more ridiculous. Yeah, the like, armchair experts or, yes. or the Bridgeport Poltergeist case uh, that I was involved with. Ed Warren was supposedly causing the uh, the phenomena from his house by witchcraft. Uh, um, how is that that any any more sensible than what case closed? We solved it, everybody. Let's Ridiculous. Go home. Anyway, well, anyhow. But um, no, I think it, 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 it could be any explanation for that. But usually, if someone's lighting a match in your house, you, you would know tell. it or should know it. Yeah, but I mean, it depends if if you're if it's if it's sulfur you're smelling. Then I'd probably want to check your house and make sure that. Yeah, I, I would uh, look for some safety hazards there. Yeah, you know. instead of saying, "Oh, well, it's a ghost lighting matches in my house," it yeah, could exactly. very well be that your house is very flammable. And sure. You might <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you should definitely check that out first. Yeah, so sorry, can't be more uh, definitive there, but uh, that seems to be what it is. This is from Robert. I don't know where Robert's from either. So, all right, Robert from nowhere. Uh, he writes to us. Hi, Paul and Ben. Every time I hear you mention something, uh, mention that you don't believe in EVPs, this pops into my head, so I thought I'd drop you a line and see uh, what your theory is. Let's tell folks what EVP means. If the universe or multiverse is, oh, sorry, electromagnetic voice phenomena, uh, where somebody holds out a recorder, they ask questions, and then get all sorts of stuff like that. Get get they get answers to their questions and voices. Well, guess, what, well I'll talk more about it. Yeah, whatever. All right. So um, he he proposes this theory: if the universe or multiverse is made up of vibrations and sound is air vibrations, uh, why can't a spirit, quote unquote, cause air vibrations? Well, that would mean it's physical. So therefore, the word spirit is just not okay. We're, I'm going to continue the question. <laughs> that would be represented as uh, spirit causing air vibrations. That would be represented as voices. Ear microphones can operate through vibrations. So um, then he says, "Love your show. I live in Scotland." Uh, trans- oh, he's from Scotland. Okay. Uh, well, well, trans. Well, he's actually from um, Illinois, but he translated and now lives there. Um, he's like, it's the only way I get to listen. Keep up the good work. Uh, well, thank you. Okay, so already, so he. Well, I, I just don't. I don't. I think the terms are what's wrong. Yes, the universe is indeed made of vibrations. Everything's vibrating at all times. But for it to be completely audible, it has to be within a certain frequency spectrum, which is between twenty hertz or twenty cycles of rare compression and rarefaction, and between. 20,000 cycles of compression and rarefaction, also known as hertz. So, 20 hertz and 20 kilohertz. That's what we can hear at the best of times. Uh, The not best of times means that your hearing cells are dying. So, the mechanism for that to be there would suggest that there is something to interpret those vibrations. For example, we're using vocal cords which are, are vi- vibrating at a certain rate that co- gets to a certain frequency, so that the amount of times that there's compression and rarefaction, that gives the certain tone, or uh, well, tone's not the right word, the certain frequency of our voice. I don't understand the mechanism that a, quote, spirit, unquote, would be able to do that. The, the idea would be that, the, the closest explanation I would have is, well, I mean, it would vibrate certain things in the room that would be at the right amount, it'd be at the right frequency to cause, um, oh, what's the word? I'm trying to remember the word for it, but it's essentially like you, it's like if you're playing guitar or whatever, you hit an E note, then 
you're, if you hit like the, the top E strings, the low E, the high E will also vibrate at the same time, which I cannot remember the name of that or what that's called, but that same mechanism would have to be what what's used to create uh, an EVP, but the, there's... From what I've seen, there's no mechanism where that's that's possible. For one, they would need something, the, the spirit, quote-unquote, or the entity, would need something with which to make vibrate, which I don't understand how you would get certain tone from the air, because it's not, it's not thick enough, the, the air is not thick enough to create an audible enough tone for us to be able to hear. That just doesn't makes sense. I mean, even whispering, you still have that sort of vibrating thing, so hence why, I, I suppose that's why you hear whispers. But the thing is, there's no mouth in which it it um, comes from, which I suppose if it's multiversal, then yes, that would make sense. But from what I've seen, the, mecha- the mechanism just doesn't make sense to me. And most of the EVP things I've heard or seen, it's all based on suggestion. And the one example I can point to is in my critical listening, I took a course in critical listening, and the brain will take take things and add to them. For example, we did a listening exercise where we heard layered over pink noise, a certain number of 100, um, or uh, about 1,000 kilohertz, or not 1,000 kilohertz, 1 kilohertz of a tone, so a sine wave, which is the simplest sound, it's just one frequency, that's it. And it was going down, it was decreasing in volume through this pink noise. So you had to count how many times you heard that ping or that beep. So everyone out, everyone in the room counted six or seven. I counted eight. My professor said, when I said, oh, I heard eight, he said, oh, well, that's not true. You imagined that. He's like, well, I shouldn't say that you imagined that. He's like, I, sh- I should say that your brain added that in because it thought it should be there. So your brain will take something and make sense of it, but also ruin it at the same time. So if you listen to an EVP, if you're wa- don't watch it in a YouTube video. Don't let anybody say anything to you whatsoever. And then listen to it. Usually, the nine times out of ten, you'll hear absolutely nothing except for maybe wind or something, or something moving, whether it be somebody else in the room or whatever. But if you watch a YouTube video, you see like subtitles at the bottom, like child giggling or I am whoever. It, it's it doesn't make you, your brain will take that and add that in, and you'll say, "Oh, I definitely heard that," because you're looking at subtitles. Or if somebody's showing it to you, they're like, "Oh, listen to this right here. It sounds like somebody's laughing." Then you're going to hear that laugh. Your brain will say, "Oh, that makes sense. It's that's supposed to be there." So it'll put that sound in. That's why you shouldn't trust your brain. Is right. It, uh, much as much as what we were saying about the photography, and the eye will take something and make. Yeah, it's yeah. The, it's it's pretty much the same thing, mm. except with your ears and sound. So it's it's that same kind of mechanism with your brain trying to make sense of something in a certain framework. So the reason why I don't give that much creditation to EVPs, although that is a good theory, and I may even think more about that, is because people will use suggestion to make it seem like that's what's going on. To them, that could be exactly what they heard, but that's why you always need somebody else. You need peer review. to to, A certain amount of discipline in the thinking. Yes, and not just saying, oh, that's totally somebody laughing. I'm going to take that. I'm going to put it on YouTube, and everyone's going to see all the evidence. It's 
you you can't think like that because if you're trying to approach this from a scientific point of view, you need peer review. You need to follow the scientific method as antiquated as it is. Mm-hmm. It's all we've got and it's the best we have for now. So if you're trying to prove something scientifically by saying I heard vibrations on uh, in, in the air, you need to come up with an idea for how that mechanism is um is done. You, if there's no, I can't, I can't see any mechanism for it that doesn't require something physically there. So if if you're approaching this from, well, it's definitely a physical person that their voice is coming through the multiverse somehow. I mean, I'd be more willing to accept that than a spirit has the spirit of vocal cords. Now, what you just said is generally my explanation, if there is one. Yes. So I mean, I'd really need to think about it, and I'd really like if somebody did more research upon it, but I mean, that's just my point of view, and it's very biased towards the multiple worlds interpretation, so I well, don't... Well, you're also a sound expert. I'm not really an expert. Well, you're a, little, a heck of a lot more by than I do. I'm learning. Or, or uh, more than a lot I'm of the lear- people who are well, I'm lear- I'm learning. I'm learning, and I take... Knowledge is useless if you don't apply it. <laughs> that's true. You can learn a lot about something and never use it, and it's useless. So if you learn something and apply it, it's useful. But, you know, I've never had an explanation for what happened to me in 1971 uh, on that first case. Talked about it a million times on the show, the Pomford, Connecticut, the abandoned village. And we were staying there that first night. And uh, how many, we're out of time, are we? Well, we have like a minute and a half. Okay, uh, well, well, we'll continue that. And there was something I wanted to say. Uh, I wanted to clarify something that took place last week's show. Our guests were Colonel Charles Halt and Sergeant James Penniston, U.S. Air Force retired, and eyewitnesses to the Rendlesham Forest UFO incidents of 1980. In my haste to get all the listener questions in, I stated that researcher Gary Hesseltine claimed that Colonel Halt had had a missing time experience during that case. Uh, that actually came from a listener, and both men assured me that it isn't accurate, so my apologies to Colonel Halt and Gary Hesseltine, both of whom are friends of ours. And... Um, I'll, I'll try, you know, try to be, you know, not to rush so much next time, even though I'm rushing now. Right. All right. So we have um, no more time. I wanted to remind you, of course, that the uh, the true paranormal, true paranormal, paranormal coming, yeah. up, coming up this weekend. So it's uh, September 20th. A lot of great speakers are going to be there, including us, but also our good friend Shane Searway of TrueGhost.com, who's organizing it. Uh, Bill Hall, the author of the uh, new book. The World's Most Haunted House, True Story of the Bridgeport Poltergeist on Lindley Street, and tickets are only $15, and that includes a lunch buffet as well. Can't beat that. Well, if you happen to be in Old England instead of New England on this Saturday, you can take advantage of the 2014 Reddlesham Forest Incident Conference. Instead, it begins at 7 p.m. at Woodbridge Community Hall, Woodbridge in Suffolk. More information and tickets uh, sales are online at www.spaceportuk.com. And on October uh, 2nd, we're going to be raffling off a couple tickets to uh, the New England UFO Conference on October 17th and 18th, and that's at the uh, City Hall in Lemister, Mass. So my dad and I will present a new program there as well, which is uh, Strange Connections, UFOs, Cryptids, and Ghosts, and that's on next week's uh, show. That's uh, September 22nd, and we'll raffle raffle off a couple of uh, family pack tickets uh, on the uh, show, as we did last year. Information at neufoconference.vpweb.com. Okay. All right, that's it. We're, f- we're through, folks. We'll see you next week with Dr. Kevin Nelson, University of Kentucky neurologist and groundbreaking research on near-death experiences. Have a great week. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.